Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 13 The Breakup of the Big Onion Camp Part 1 After the great drive had been delivered downriver, all the men assembled again at the Big Onion Camp to receive their pay and to attend to other various duties which must precede the closing of the camp. All were sorry that Paul Bunyan had finished his logging work in the Lake States, for they had enjoyed their work there and had helped in the performance of some mighty deeds that are still talked about. The camp was a very busy place while everyone was making ready for the breakup. There was the sound of the tireless scratching of Johnny Inkslinger's pen as he made out thousands of paychecks. There was the scrambling around of all the men who were cleaning up the camp, for Paul, like any good woodsman, would never leave any rubbish or dirt behind him when he moved on. There was the rattling of pots and pans in the cook shanty where the cooks were making ready for the big Sunday dinner that always marked the end of a season's work. And then, too, there could be heard a continual and prodigious scraping and grunting, accompanied by a shrill whistling out behind the stables where Brimstone Bill and his crew of helpers were busily engaged in giving Babe and Bessie their annual spring cleaning. Brimstone Bill had long ago been given charge of the two faithful animals, taking Ollie's job after the smithy had begun to demand all of the big Swede's time. And he used to grow quite profane over the hard work which caring for the two big creatures demanded. However, since his experience during the winter of the blue snow, he no longer used words that even had a harsh sound, but relieved his feelings by whistling instead. Just now, engaged as he was in the trying task of removing a whole year's accumulation from two such prodigious creatures as Babe and Bessie, he whistled continuously as he worked, and the shrill sound of his tootling could be heard throughout the entire camp. Scouring up the great blue ox was no easy task, one may be sure, and the yaller cow was almost as bad. It took three tons of strong soap, a lake full of water, and forty barrels of hair tonic to get the enormous babe into spick-and-span condition, and almost as much for Bessie. Then, after the cleaning was all done, the ox and cow had to be given their special holiday dinner, an extra allowance of baled hay, and that, too, was a lot of trouble. The two big animals were ordinarily fed a ration of baled hay only once a week, feeding on pine branches the rest of the time. But at the end of the drive in the spring, they were always given an extraordinarily big feed of hay as a reward for their faithful work during the winter. When Brimstone Bill fed baled hay to his charges, the great creatures would chew up two or three bales to a mouthful and the baling wires often caused them a lot of trouble. While they were eating, several men always had to stand nearby with pitchforks and crowbars to pick the wires from between their teeth every now and then when they became all tangled up after a dozen bales or so. 
So it is no wonder with all this work ahead of him that Bill was whistling away as hard as he possibly could while he was getting well started on his task. Meanwhile, all the men were looking forward with great expectations to the big dinner that would be served to them on the morrow, and Paul was happy to see them in such high spirits. His feelings changed somewhat, though, when Hot Biscuit Slim came to him with an unwelcome bit of bad news. Mr. Bunyan, the chief cook began, them cow fellers from Texas ain't showed up yet with that drove of 5,000 steers that was to be here in time for the dinner tomorrow, and so we're mighty short of meat. I've got plenty of everything else, but not near enough meat. Maybe you'd better send Shot Gunderson to kill some wild game, seeing as how that is about the only chance we have of getting meat for the dinner. I'll not only send him out, but I'll go hunting myself, promised Paul, rather worried by the news the cook had brought. My men are all looking forward to that dinner, and I'll not disappoint them, even though I have to run down every deer in the county. Calling the little chore boy to help him, he sent the lad scurrying after his shotgun and rifle. His ammunition pouch and his hunting coat, as well as the pair of light running boots, which he always wore when he went hunting. He found Shot Gunderson and gave him his instructions, and then as soon as the chore boy returned from his errand with the equipment, Paul himself was ready to start out. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.